0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991; to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM (laughs) Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with... Tom Keane, we're two hours away from the start of trading. A kind of quiet day on the screens today. Not a whole lot of news. This in from Deere just a few moments ago. Uh, they're lowering their fiscal full year profit outlook. Reduced sales of tractors and combines, they say. Full year net income will be about 1.2 billion. That's uh, down from 1.3 billion it forecast in February. Yahoo! Wall Street Journal reporting that bids may fall short of the four to eight billion dollar expected range. They cite people familiar with the matter. Verizon and others are expected to bid uh, 2 to $3 billion in the auction for Yahoo's core business. The bids are due the uh, first week of June. One uh, m story today, and it's from overseas, but in the oil business, Total and Oil Search will divide the Papua New Guinea assets of InterOil, a two-step deal. Oil Search buys 100% of InterOil, $2.2 billion, and then sells the majority of the Gas and exploration assets to Total for about 1.2 billion. Now let's check in with Michael Barr. Get the latest world and national headlines. Michael,
2: Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Egypt's president is expressing deep sadness and extreme regret over the deaths of the 66 people aboard Egypt Air Flight 804 that plunged into the Mediterranean early yesterday. The Egyptian army found the plane's wreckage and personal belongings this morning about 180 miles north of Alexandria. A $1.1 billion plan to combat the Zika virus has cleared the Senate with bipartisan support. It is less than the 1.9 billion sought by President Obama. The White House says the President is set to veto a House version, which totals 622 million. Rescuers in central Sri Lanka have confirmed that at least 132 villagers are feared buried by landslides this week. The authorities say the death toll is at 63 and it will rise. Hillary Clinton says Donald Trump is not qualified to be president. She made the comments during a CNN interview. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom?
1: Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Land Rover, Parsippany, Bloomberg, NBC Sports Update. Here's Rob
3: Bush.
0: Morning, Mike. Solid starting pitching. That was the key for the Yankees the past two games on the road. New York opened up a four-game weekend set in Oakland with a 4-1 win. It also helps when you play some long ball.
1: Pitch is swung on and hit in the air to deep left field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a two-run home run over the right center field scoreboard. So Beltrum
0: belts one. Series continues tonight at nine thirty-five. That's Yankees radio on the call. CC Sabathia meets Sonny Gray. Mets fan, they're waiting for the real dark night to return as once untouchable Matt Harvey was roughed up by the Nationals at Citi Field in a 9-1 loss. Harvey didn't get out of the third inning. He gave up nine runs, including a two-run homer to former teammate Daniel Murphy. Harvey falls to three and six on the year. Homestand continues tonight versus Milwaukee. Willie Peralta faces Stephen Matz. Giants win their eighth in a row. They went seven and zero oh on that road trip. NBA playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals. The well-rested Cavaliers ten and zero oh in the postseason as they beat Toronto and San Jose. Took down St. Louis on the ice. That's your NBC Bloomberg Sports update, Bob.
1: Well, Mike, thank you very much, Rob. Of course, I've probably called him different names, too. Uh, we are looking at uh, markets catching their breath after the uh, last two days of Fed-induced hysteria. S&P futures are up by two-tenths, as are Dow futures. And in Europe, the stock 600 is up eight-tenths, just about three points this morning. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keane, the Fed front and center for everybody. We'll talk with Dean Mackey about that in just a moment. Ten-year note yield is up to 1.86%. The two-year is at 89 basis points this morning. In time for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here is Bob Moon. Good morning. I'm Bob. You're Mike. Yes.
4: Here's what's making news I'm in science. I'm Fenster. <laughs> science, technology, engineering, and Fester. math. Fenster. <laughs> Long gone are the days when there used to be a feel-good ride promoting the wonders of science at Disneyland, sponsored by Monsanto. In recent times, the St. Louis-based company has been characterized as sinister and evil by activists objecting to its genetically modified crops. It's been accused of contributing to the decline of the monarch butterfly, and surveys rank it among the most hated companies in America. Now that Bayer wants to buy it, there may be some work to do to separate its work from its reputation. In the event of a deal, public relations consultant Eric Schiffer thinks Bayer would probably drop the Monsanto name. Tomorrow, activists in locations around the world will participate in the march against Monsanto. According to the organizers, they're calling for further research on the health effects of what they brand as frankenfoods. The next frontier in the battle between the FBI and technology companies over encrypted communications will be more legally complicated and messy than trying to get into the iPhone of a dead terrorist. Messaging tools like Facebook's WhatsApp and Internet services that automatically encrypt the contents of texts, phone calls, and other data while they're being sent are increasingly becoming a problem for national security and criminal investigations. According to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, electronic privacy advocates are waiting for the first big test case. And that is this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Mike.
1: All right. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> Tom Keene is with me. And we've got Dean Mackey on the phone with us. He's the chief economist at Point72, and he's been following the Fed for almost as many years as Tom and I. Uh, and uh, it's interesting, uh, Dean, that uh, and all of a sudden the Fed seems to have decided that they are tired of being led around by the nose by the markets, and they're going to start telling investors what to do instead of the other way around.
5: Yeah, they certainly – Suddenly, did seem to object to market pricing. Um, You know I I think to be fair the market pricing had moved to that lower level in terms of probability of June and July rate hikes because the Fed wasn't really willing to say much in their statement in April uh, to flag future rate hikes. Uh, They didn't bring in a balance of risk assessment like they had in October before before hiking rates and so uh, you know, I think investors just took from that that the Fed really wasn't yet in a position to, to raise rates. And we also had the, the phenomenon uh, going into April where some of the Reserve Bank presidents were talking about an April hike, and then we had Chair Yellen come out with one of the most dovish Uh, speeches I've, I've heard from a Fed chair. And so that led investors to say, okay, we, we just need to listen to Chair Yellen and not all the Reserve Bank presidents who are talking about rate hikes. So I think that's, that's really what's, what's happened here. And the Fed just decided enough's enough and, and that's what this, uh, verbal communication
1: assault is all about. Well, we haven't heard from Chair Yellen. We've only heard from Reserve Bank presidents and, uh, unnamed people in the minutes. So whom are you listening to? well i mean i do
5: think we 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 do need to listen
1: to all of them um
5: you know i think that that uh, you know what what's happened now is a consistency and a uh, across speakers and an urgency that's not been there before. And I think, you know, the minutes reinforced that point and, and gave a, a quite different interpretation to the April meeting than the statement alone did. So I think there, there's right. been a lot of moving parts that have shifted around within the last week or so.
3: Do they have a model that they're working off of, or are they flying by the seat of their pants?
5: hey. It- it seems a lot more like they're they're kind of making it up as they go along. Um, you know, I think it's, it's very difficult for – I think one of the things investors had trouble with was why, with some market volatility in the first quarter, the, sh- the Fed shifted from four hikes to two for the year. Um, that seemed like a quite an abrupt shift, especially when markets already had recovered by the time of the March meeting when they made that shift in their projected rate hikes for, for this year. Um, so it seems like the Fed is quite – Quite sensitive to market fluctuations. They also seem quite sensitive to the ups and downs of quarterly GDP data. Um, so it, it does seem like it's yeah. quite easy to stop them, and, and much harder for them to go ahead with rate hikes.
3: What's your run rate on GDP now after a miserable first quarter? Like, what's all in GDP for calendar year 2016?
5: Uh, my estimate is it, it comes out a little under two percent, some like one point nine
3: percent. Wow! 9%. Really, 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 Dean, you're still there.
5: Yes, yes. Now Q2 is going to be strong. Uh, I think Q2 will be three percent, but when you combine that with half a percent in the first quarter, you still get a, a pretty low underlying run rate. And, um, it,
3: it, but to be clear, here we end up twelve thirty one two thousand sixteen. Looking back at sub two percent GDP, that's right. But what's potential?
5: I think potential is between one and one and a half.
1: So we're as as. As much as it makes you shake your head to say 1.9%, we're still running faster than potential.
5: Exactly. So the labor market, in my view, will keep tightening. Unemployment rate keeps falling. Um, job well, growth continues at a pretty healthy rate. Um, it just means that productivity right. growth is not all that strong, and the labor force is not growing
3: all that quickly. That's right where we want to go. We're going to come back with Dean Mackey and talk about something he said the last time he was on with us, which basically has been quoted worldwide. Dr. Mackey suggest that unemployment and the unemployment rate, I should say, Mike, let me rephrase that. The Employment will increase and the unemployment rate will come down in the vicinity of 4.0%. That is an outlier call from what yeah. I said. That is remarkable. Dean Mackey, 0.72 on a terrific American labor economy, which maybe speaks to why does so many people feel so miserable. We'll address that as well. Michael McKee and Tom King getting you ready for your weekend reading. And into next week, this Friday, Bloomberg Surveillance.
1: We're counting down to the opening bell brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com.
6: And I'm Karen Moscow. Deer & Company now down 1.2% in early trading. The world's biggest farm equipment manufacturer lowering its fiscal full-year profit outlook on projections for reduced sales of tractors and combines as farmers face a decline in income. Financial markets showing signs of stabilizing after being buffeted this week by a surge in expectations for a U.S. interest rate increase. Global stocks are rebounding from a six-week low. Oil is lower now. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Bloomberg S&P E-mini futures up five points. Dow E-mini futures up 44. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 15. The DAX in Germany is up eight tenths percent. Ten-year treasury down two thirty seconds. The yield one point eight five percent yield on the two year point eight nine percent. NYMEX crude oil down three tenths percent or sixteen cents to forty eight dollars a barrel. COMEX gold up two tenths percent or two dollars ninety cents to twelve fifty seven seventy an ounce. The euro, a dollar twelve twenty. The yen, one ten point three nine. Applied Materials up more than eight percent after it forecasts third quarter sales that may beat analyst estimates, lifted by a surge in demand from chipmakers as they upgrade production technology. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
3: Karen, uh, thanks so much. Bloomberg Surveillance this Friday. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Are your returns dragged down by high transaction costs? Trade up to Interactive Brokers where they're lower costs. Can help you maximize your returns. Visit ibkr.com slash save more for more information. ibkr.com slash save more for more information. We thank Interactive Brokers for their strong, continued support of Bloomberg Surveillance. As we do, Dean Mackey as well, Point seven two, who over the years has given us very, very good uh perspective that, Dean, it is remarkable your call for 4.0 percent unemployment. Sixteen years ago, we got to 3.8 percent, but I'm just going to suggest it's a rare occurrence. How do we get to your rare occurrence of below 4.2 percent unemployment?
5: Yeah, so I, I think that we the the reason we'll get there is that the participation rate I'm convinced is is not going to continue to rise as it has the past couple of months. Um, I, I believe the participation rate is going to flatten out, and if that if that view is correct, then we only need 75 to 100,000 jobs per month to keep the unemployment rate stable. Anything significantly above 100,000 per month will keep the, right. will push the unemployment rate down over time. <laughs> And you know we've averaged more than two hundred thousand m- a month over the past year, and even the past three months it's been two hundred thousand on average. So I think that is the key call: is is the participation right. rate going to continue to surge the way it has the past couple of months? I don't think it is.
3: To our informed audience, they learned in class that one fifty was the runway plus or minus x thousand. Dean Mackey's number of 75,000 is shocking to any pro. Do you define that, oh, graduate of Stanford, in the language of the president of Harvard, Lawrence Summers? I mean, is Larry Summers right about secular stagnation?
5: I don't think he's right in in the sense that I don't believe that we're going to be growth is going to be so weak that we won't be able to push the unemployment rate down, that we won't be able to generate inflation over time. I don't think that part of the view is correct. I, I think the part that I do agree with is that uh, growth will be slower going forward and has been slower. That will continue than it was in prior cycles. And it's because of these uh, structural forces of baby boomers continuing to retire, uh, productivity growth being on the slower side, it's, it's hard to see those two things changing significantly in the, in the next few years.
1: It, getting to the idea of um, needing only 100,000 jobs or so uh, for the unemployment rate to remain stable, uh, anything above that probably pushes it lower. Why don't people in financial markets understand that?
5: Well, I think that it's becoming more consensus, even though it's not yet consensus, uh, this view. Um, but I think what people have just, you know, certainly, especially in the first few years of the expansion, people were just used to the old model that, you know, you needed the 150 just to keep things stable. Demographics are slow-moving, and people tend not to incorporate them into their worldview because they don't seem like they're changing much much month-to-month. But these big structural shifts like this, uh, they happen, and they're real, even if people aren't really perceiving them.
1: So uh, we get 4.2% unemployment. What does that do for wages and inflation?
5: I think that we already are seeing wage inflation picking up. It's it's not a a consensus view, I don't think. But if one looks at something like the Atlanta Fed wage tracker, that's picked up now to 3.4% year-on-year growth. And that's one of the best measures we have because it actually follows the same workers year-to-year. So you don't have the compositional shifts of, you know, bringing people in from – Okay. One industry or another, um, younger households substituting for older households—all of those compositional shifts kind of corrupt the message from the average hourly earnings report. So the, the the things that are actually following the same people over time are saying wage growth is much stronger at 3.4 percent already.
1: Well, do we? But you know, if, if by the time we get to 4.2 percent unemployment, if ra- wages rising already, we can have a real inflation problem unless the Fed moves.
5: Well. I'd hesitate to say right now that it would be a problem. The, the Fed actually wants, you know, we're in the un, unusual place historically where the Fed really wants something of a wage price spiral now. They want higher wages, they want higher prices, and they want those to interact. Um, you know, they, they only want that to go on for, for a while. Um, so they want uh, an acceleration in wages. They want inflation up to 2%, and, you know, some of them are willing to overshoot that. You know, at some point then they they this does continue until the Fed stops it. So I do think that there, there is a point yeah. in the coming months where the Fed will have to go faster, but we're not close to yeah. that point now.
3: Dean, this is where we love to have you on, is you come up with something that, my full disclosure, I'm supposed to know about, and I don't get it all, like the Atlanta wage tracker. Uh, Dr. Mackey, that comes out of San Francisco Research, Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. And just as one idea... Job stayers reporting the same wage is one year prior. I mean, there's some really interesting dynamics in here. When you look at wage growth, or anybody does, is it a traditional blue-collar analysis, or does it include all of America? Well, I think some of the measures
5: are tied to one or the other of those things. You know, one of Can the
3: we my, do both?
5: Yeah, one of my favorite measures is the compensation per hour that comes out in the productivity report. It's a very simple concept. They basically take all compensation divided by all hours worked. It doesn't matter what the form of compensation is or, or how it's paid. And that, that is also showing stronger wage growth right now at 2.8% than, say, the average hourly earnings number. Um, So that's capturing the fact that some of the white-collar pay growth is is running faster than perhaps the hourly earnings
3: are. But what's great about that chart, U.S. compensation per hour nonfarm business, is, folks, 2.8%, as Dr. Mackey mentions. Mike McKee, it was 10% in 1980 on a nominal basis in the time of Volcker. Are we feeling a real wage growth, or is it, it, or is it an affiction after inflation? Well, that's one, I think, misperception out
5: there is real wages have been growing quite briskly over the past few years uh, because of the, the decline in gasoline prices. Uh, so inflation's been extremely low, had overall inflation, so real wage growth is, has, been, has been quite strong. And that's been matched by real, real consumption growth also being, uh you know, at times year-on-year year, yeah. consumption growth was 3.5% uh, say a year ago. Um, so it, I think there there are misperceptions that consumption and income is quite, quite weak. In real terms, they've both been pretty strong.
1: Where do you think uh real rates are and should go? I mean, I think that – the real Fed
5: funds rate does need to get up eventually into the one and a half to two percent range. I think right now we're we're still in, you know, real rates are 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 still in negative territory, um, and so I, I think that we we will have to see those rates move significantly higher over time.
3: Mm. Dean Mackey, thank you so much. Point seven two, economics with a really a, Mike. A, I'm going to call it a headline call. Of low four percent, yeah, that, uh, on unemployment
1: that would get people's attention. Yeah, and there's a the lot of out there. Uh, people, well, uh, you know, the, the market. Starting the market me. reaction to the to the March jobs report, yeah. uh, the, uh, the April jobs report 160,000 um, they thought was terrible.
3: We had a good week, folks. Michael McKee and I tried to emphasize to all that Vice Chairman Fisher possibly would say something about monetary policy, and comments to Michael Woodford at Columbia University. I'm pleased to report, Mike, we got it totally wrong. (laughs) Instead, uh, the vice chairman delivered a spectacular, brief, fairly non-mathy paper on interest rates, prices, and Michael Woodford and this strange thing called money.
1: You're the only person in America disappointed that there was not a lot of math in that paper. It, it,
3: It was... It is, was superb. I've put it out on social. I can't say enough about the public service of Vice Chairman Fisher and explaining where we were, where we were in our ute, and where we are right now due to the good work of Michael Woodford. It is a spectacular weekend read. Stan Fisher, Michael Woodford. Have you read the book Interest in Prices? Uh, I
1: carry it around.
3: I carry exactly. I'm glad you make carry people, it around. Make, make people think <laughs> it's read. holding up a window in the east wing of the house. Uh, guess what? Another hour of math-free Bloomberg surveillance.